Good afternoon. So are you ready for chapter 14 of our Castle by the Sea? Well, here we go. When the magistrates came back into the courtroom, Mrs. Barron's face looked very strange, as if it had been stitched up and the thread pulled too tightly. I'm afraid we have a very difficult decision to make, she said. The police in London have intercepted a package on its way to Germany, a package of information and drawings. There are records and charts on the movements of British naval vessels and drawings depicting Stonegate Harbor, the port of Dover, and surrounding shipping hazards such as the Sandbank off Dragon Bay. What can you tell us about these drawings, Mrs. Zimmerman Smith? Drawings? said Muddy. They were passed to her and she looked at them, shaking her head. Mr. Gibbon's full moon eyes were fixed upon her. You said yourself that you were destined to study art in Paris. You told us that just now, or do you deny it? You are an artist, are you not? You draw? I draw, yes, she said, but these are not mine. I draw the sea, the cliffs, the storm clouds, the birds in the sky. These are, she struggled to find the right word. These are more like maps, diagrams. Mr. Gibbons shrugged. He did not see the difference. Then a voice called out from the back of the court. Of course they're her drawings. She's always out on the cliffs with her flaming pencils. It was Arthur Briggs. Mags held my hand more tightly. Order, shouted Mrs. Barron. If you have evidence, Mr. Briggs, proper evidence, you had better stand up. If not, you must keep silent or you will be removed from the courtroom. There was a moment of silence. Muddy was staring towards the back of the court, her mouth slightly open. She was breathing quickly. Then Arthur Briggs got to his feet. All I'm saying, your honors, is that I've seen her. A few people nodded. Mags was facing forward quite stiff and still. She was holding my hand so hard it almost hurt. She's been creeping about on the hill, on the cliffs, Briggs went on. I've seen her myself. There's new army buildings being built up that way, aren't there? Bunkers, guns, things Jerry would want to know about, I'm sure. A murmur bubbled up from the benches at the back. Order, shouted Mrs. Barron again. I remembered Kipper Briggs and his accusation. She's been seen. I thought of that misty morning when I had followed Muddy up onto the South Cliff. I knew she wasn't creating diagrams of the harbor or the new army buildings. Of course she wasn't. But what was she doing there? Who had she been following? It didn't make any sense. I felt Mag shift in her seat beside me. Her hands clasped around mine, suddenly felt clammy. And she lives in the lighthouse for Pete's sake, Briggs added. She's probably flashing secret messages to Fritz every flame of night. Another murmur of noise. How do we know she wasn't to blame for the fire in the village? Someone else shouted, or that bomber that our guns took down. She might be using the lighthouse to signal the bloody Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe, excuse me, for all we know, the Luftwaffe was, is the, uh, was the German Air Force. People were muttering in agreement, heads nodding all around us now. Who were these people? I will tell you who these people were. They were our friends, people from church, the village shopkeepers and fishermen, the parents of the children we had grown up with. But something had changed them. The war, the enemy plane, 
the things they had heard on the wireless and read in the newspapers, the rumors, the whispers. They were angry, and they were very, very frightened. Thank you, Mr. Briggs, said Mrs. Barron. You may sit down. She looked at her fellow magistrates, and the two of them nodded at her gravely. Then Pa stood up, and my heart leapt. He was going to defend Muddy. I wish to, he started, but Mrs. Barron did not want any more interruptions or surprises. I think we've heard quite enough from the court spectators today, Mr. Smith. I'm so sorry. Your loyal support of your wife is noted. You may sit down. Pa stayed standing, his mouth open. He seemed unsure of what to do. You can sit down, she said again, looking into Pa's eyes, her tone firm. Trust me, she seemed to say. When Pa eventually sat down, Mrs. Barron took a deep breath. Mrs. Zimmerman Smith, she went on, has shown herself to be a woman of excellent character, as everyone in the village knows. This remark seemed to be directed towards the back of the courtroom. I looked at Pa, a woman of excellent character. It was going to be all right, wasn't it? We are at war, though, and a huge responsibility rests on our shoulders. We must, she stopped. I had never seen Mrs. Barron lost for words before. She looked at Mr. Gibbons, and he stood up. Ladies and gentlemen, these drawings are frankly rather frightening, he said, addressing the courtroom as a whole. They suggest that someone in the area is indeed attempting to provide information to the enemy for the purposes of strategic advantage, attack, and possibly even invasion. Several people gasped. We cannot at present prove Mrs. Zimmerman Smith's guilt in this respect, and indeed we are not here today for a criminal prosecution of any sort. That responsibility will lie in other hands. His eyes flicked briefly towards the pinstripe-suited man sitting on the front row. I am afraid, however, that there is sufficient evidence to suggest that Mrs. Zimmerman Smith might be a potential threat to national security, and we can't take that risk. We are under very strict instructions. Mags gripped my hand tighter. We were rigid, still as stone. Tears were running down my face. They can't. Category A, Gibbons announced. A triumphant release of breath from the back row. A, said Sir Alan Darsdale. Category A, shouted Gibbons, excited muttering all around me. Mrs. Angela Helene Zimmerman Smith, you are to be indefinitely interred as a matter of national security. Everything was blurred now. The faces in front of me, the white wigs and wooden thrones, the sound of Mr. Gibbons's voice, the words themselves interned, indefinitely interned, imprisoned, taken away, my Mutty. Pa? I grabbed his sleeve, but he was just staring at Mutty. His lips were moving silently as if he were trying to say something. Mutty stood up, but the policeman had to help her. He took her by the elbow and led her out of the courtroom. Her eyes did not leave pause until she was forced to turn at last through the dark doorway. On the steps of the court outside, the sun was still shining as brightly as it had been before, but now it felt all wrong. Everything felt all wrong. Four of us had gone into the court, but only three of us had come out. I had that horrible, incomplete feeling you get when you know you have forgotten something very important. I felt sick. Pa was in the middle of us, holding our hands. Magda's in mine. 
and we descended the steps slowly, looking down. We did not want to talk to the chattering crowd that waited for us. Mrs. Barron was there on the steps, too. I'm so sorry, she said. I'm so sorry, girls. But our hands were absolutely tied. She hugged Mags, and then she hugged me, too. But I didn't want hugs from Mrs. Barron. I wanted my mutty. I was so frightened I could hardly breathe. For some reason, all I could think of, think of was the grip of the gas mast, the choking bitterness, the suffocation. Wow. Well, that ends chapter 14. I wasn't sure what was going to happen there. What do you what, what about you guys? Did you think Muddy was going to be in turn in turn basically um, held in custody? That's basically what it means. Very sad. All right. Well, um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and um, we'll talk again on Monday. Look for that uh, a Zoom invite for me um, from me for Tuesday. All right, guys. Take care. Bye bye.